Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. And then the guest list started to balloon. A tent and porta potties and lights and chairs and tables. And I was like, absolutely not. Immediately, I was just like, we cannot afford this. This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. I need to talk about more. I'm Anna Seal. So you made a big decision and decided to get married. But then... After that flash of celebration comes a whole new set of decisions. What kind of a wedding are you going to have? And where's the money going to come from to pay for it? I worked as a wedding planner for five years before planning my own wedding and knew that I didn't want to blindly follow costly traditions. I think the whole thing cost was probably about $3,000 or less. The uh, no ties was a rule and shoes optional but encouraged not to be worn. We just kind of kept it really simple. And I don't want to brag, but I made a profit. Uh, <laughs> it was such a good day. And even my nanny, who's in her 90s, said it was the best wedding ever. In DC, you can actually officiate your own wedding. So it was literally just the two of us and a friend who is a photographer. The average cost for a wedding in the United States in 2023 is about $29,000. That's up about 18% from pre-pandemic levels. A survey of vendors this year found 77% raised their prices because of inflation. And of course, that's just average costs. The total price can vary widely, depending on where you are and the kind of celebration you want. So it's funny because sometimes I'll see these things on The Knot or Zola and it'll be like, the average wedding costs $29,000. And I'm like, who in their mind is only spending $29,000? Like, that's insane. We asked listeners who are in the wedding planning process right now to tell us how money is coming up. Some of you said you're learning that you and your fiancé have different ideas. When I look at a floral budget, I think, oh, yeah, like, that's actually really reasonable. And he looks at the same budget, and he's like, that? 
for flowers? I'm currently a resident doctor with six-figure debt, and the idea of spending a down payment on a wedding is quite overwhelming and crushing. I have struggled with going back and forth with it, of spending as much money as we plan to and eloping somewhere which is something he would like. My partner, on the other hand, feels that because it's only a one-time thing we're ever going to do, that it should be a big party. I always thought I'd be married and I always thought I'd be a father, but I always imagined a really big wedding. Yeah, I remember when uh, we did our potential invite list, Devin had about 150 people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how many guests did you have for your wedding? I think 17. Well, I think it was 17, including us, babe. Devin and Sierra are both in their late 20s, and those aren't their real names. Because we talked about money, family relationships, and in-laws, many people asked to shield their identities for this episode. Devin and Sierra met in grad school in New York City in 2019. I was always kind of on the fence about marriage. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if this is going to happen. And when I met Devin and... We started dating. It clicked automatically for me. Devin comes from a big Black and Latino family in the South. His parents had a big wedding that they love to talk about. Sierra is also Black and Latina, but her dad wasn't around when she was growing up in the Bronx. Her mom is a lesbian, and Sierra is also queer. So a big family wedding was nothing she ever imagined for herself. But she always knew she wanted kids. A few years into dating, she and Devin started to save in case they needed fertility treatments because Sierra has PCOS and fibroids. But then she got pregnant. I was already in my first trimester. I was nauseous and tired. Um, Actually, in fact, the day before he proposed, um, I had got really sick from eating some spicy Indian food. I probably should have knew better. And I spent the whole night throwing up. And preparing to get married while also preparing to become parents changed how Devin thought about a wedding. We had a lot of other things to consider. You know, we just bought a new home. I have, we both have a substantial amount of student debt. And, you know, we we don't come from families that have like a whole lot of money to spend on like one day ceremonies. Sierra and Devin got married at a local art gallery with a small dinner at a restaurant afterward. The ceremony was organized by a wedding planning service Sierra found online that offered low-cost, off-the-shelf packages, part of the micro-wedding trend. Like, everything is, is, is micro. Everything is smaller from, you know, the um, planning to, like, the amount of people invited to, like, the food. <laughs> and I actually feel like it was even more beautiful because it was so intimate. And I, I consider myself to be... <laughs> an introvert more. And so I I would imagine at a larger event being very anxious. (laughs) So I think it panned out well. I think I look gorgeous, you know, not to like toot my home, but I think I look gorgeous as like a, you know, nine month (laughs) pregnant person. (laughs) Yeah, I echo that. The intimacy was was overwhelming. I mean, as a guy that doesn't cry a lot, like I I don't think I could stop crying. And about how much do you think your wedding celebration cost all in? I think it was about um, twelve or $13,000. That still seems like a lot for something called micro. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
you 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 plan you plan to do as you know i guess as little as possible you know not to make that sound in a bad way but like you know as inexpensive as possible rather and you know things add up quickly and we still have to print our wedding pictures which we're gonna do (laughs) that might be another thousand that'd be a nice anniversary present someday oh thanks for the idea yeah (laughs) tell my husband we still haven't printed (laughs) (laughs) um uh did you find, did either of you find that you were had to be in the position to explain maybe to a parent or an elder relative, like, uh, let me tell you, in 2022, like, it's different now, like, how much a wedding costs to celebrate with 150 people on a fun dance floor? Like, did you find you had to help people understand that you were making a choice that was really the right one for your family because of how much things cost? Oh, you got this one, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was explaining things. I'm still explaining things to this day as to why people didn't get invites and why didn't we go for something bigger and why was I so concerned about the cost. Yeah, I heard it from everyone. When you're planning a wedding, well-meaning people might tell you, it's your day, do what you want. But for a lot of couples, the voices of what their families want can be loud. We're thinking about having kids, and it just feels like it would be an ex- a sort of big expense and time suck in our lives that we're just not sure is, like, what we need to have happen. But every time we get together with his family for, like, some family occasion, his aunts and uncles just, like, honestly, it's almost gotten to a point of bullying. Some of them take us aside and, like, give us this talking to about how important it is. His mom really values these big Italian weddings, inviting pretty much everybody you know. And his family just doesn't really understand why we're spending the money that we are. Um, We also have some worries on, like, dress code and how do we communicate that to them because they're not normally the type to dress up where my family will judge you pretty harshly if you're not dressed accordingly. I'm getting married next weekend, and money's definitely been a big part. Um, My parents are throwing the wedding. Um, It's been pretty interesting trying to navigate that. A listener we're calling Vanessa sent us a voice memo a week out from her wedding. When we talked, she was just days away. So... I just finished work yesterday, and then today, just doing some errands, and then tomorrow is our rehearsal dinner, and then Saturday, we're doing a welcome party for all of our guests, and then Sunday is the wedding. So there's three events, because the rehearsal dinner and the welcome party are separate. Okay. Yes, three outfits. (laughs) (laughs) Three hairdos? Three hairdos, exactly. Vanessa loves weddings. She grew up watching her parents' wedding video over and over. It was a big, fancy New York City wedding. As she got older, Vanessa said she cried at every wedding she went to, whether she knew the couple or not. I'm one of my last friends to actually get married. Um, And for a while, I was like, you know, maybe this isn't going to happen for me. So there is this sense of like, oh my gosh, this is my time. Vanessa's in her early 30s, around the average age of a person getting married in the U.S. these days, which is 31. Vanessa and her fiancé got engaged a year ago. They live in the West, but decided to have their wedding in New York City, where Vanessa grew up and where her parents still live. 
Vanessa didn't want to say exactly how much her wedding cost, but she needed a big budget to accommodate about 180 guests. We wanted a pretty big party, so then a lot of venues in New York just can't accommodate over 120, let's say. So we were able to narrow it down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And did you have a sense as you were collecting these quotes how this wedding would be paid for? Like, did you know where the money would come from? Yeah, so my parents generously, I don't, we never even talked about it, really. I guess it was just assumed they were going to pay for it, um, which they have. Wait, so you didn't have a conversation about it? Not really, actually. <laughs> huh. Is it, was it kind of like, um, oh, the bride's family pays, like that's sort of uh, a convention, and so it was just sort of a built-in assumption that everybody had? I guess so, yeah. Uh-huh. And for your fiancé and, and his family, like how did you all talk to them about money and the, and the planning? So again, nothing was really talked about, which is probably why it got so complicated, but they are throwing the rehearsal dinner and a welcome party. Um, Again, back to that more traditional sense of, you know, the night before versus the day of. Uh Uh-huh. And when you say it got complicated, can you give me a few examples of moments where you were like, this is really hard? Well, the guest list was definitely a struggle of who could invite how many people Uh. and family versus friends and trying to navigate what was deemed quote unquote fair quickly would get very heated between me and my parents. And when you say things got heated in your family, what's that look like when there's conflict? Yelling. Yelling, uh-huh. And then maybe, you know, no one's talking to each other. Uh-huh. And who, is it all three of you yelling? Mostly me and my mom uh-huh. yelling at each other. And if you were going to um, articulate, like, what your mother's point of view on something like the guest list is, like, what was... What would, how, how did she describe about what was important to her? You know, it was, this is, you like, we're throwing this. Like, oh. we, like, basically. Okay. You know, this is, like, just because it's your wedding, it's also, like, our event. Because of the money. Yeah. I mean, it was true. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting a wedding planner who was the actual hero of this year. (laughs) Not only with logistics, but like emotional support. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, sometimes I'd get on the call and I, and like, I'd be, I'd say I'm not in a good place with my mom right now. Um, and she understood and sometimes she would act as like the she would like relay things (laughs) to both of us if we weren't in a we weren't talking at the moment
Coming up, how parents' opinions can influence wedding planning, even after their deaths. I remember shutting my computer after the Zoom call and just kind of holding my, then we called each other partner, uh, my partner at that time, who's now my fiance, um, just kind of held each other and I cried um, that there was this mysterious gift that she had given me that I had never expected. Episodes like this one that you're hearing right now, filled with the voices of you, our listeners, all start out the same way, with a big, broad question. And we've got a new one we'd like your help with. It comes from the brain of our movie-loving executive producer, Liliana Maria. She talked to some of you this past spring about the movies that taught you about sex, an episode I loved. And now she wants to hear about your stories about a different sort of movie, the sports movie, and if there's one that's helped you through a particularly hard time. The idea came to Liliana Maria as earlier this year, she found herself surrounded by cancer and death in her close circle of family and friends. And she turned to the boxing movie Creed Three, Like, she watched it repeatedly and even bought multiple T-shirts on Etsy with pictures of Michael B. Jordan's character Adonis on them to remind her that she was strong. Liliana Maria is pretty sure she's not the only one who relies on sports movies in this way, who finds solace in epic training montages, underdog against all odds redemption stories, the game-winning point right when the buzzer sounds, the reminder that pulling together with a team makes things easier than going it alone. Creed Three is part of the Rocky franchise, a staple of the sports movie genre. But remember, not all sports movies are about boxing. There's The Mighty Ducks, about hockey, Bring It On, about cheerleading, love and basketball, Cutting Edge, one of my personal favorites, which is about pair figure skating. If there is a sports movie that has been important to you because it helped you get through a pivotal moment in life, tell us about it. Record a voice memo and send it to us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Moms and weddings. We heard from a lot of you that in addition to the monetary cost of weddings, there can be a built-in emotional cost with wedding planning and parents, especially moms, you told us, who tended to dig in more in the details, often with strong opinions. Weddings, after all, can be a complex family affair, marking the beginning of one family and a breaking away 
from what has been. My mom loved my now fiance very dearly, um, and he became an instant part of our family. A listener we're calling Maya is planning her wedding without her mom, who died suddenly in February 2020. It was unexpected. Maya had talked to her mom on the phone an hour before she collapsed. They'd been planning a retirement party for her. Retirement had become a big topic with a lot of anxiety around it. She would just be like, I'm leaving you with my debt. And she kind of acted like she wasn't sure if she would be okay, which was actually a source of anxiety, her and my dad, Mm. um, if they would be okay financially in their old age. After her mother died, Maya and her sister were terrified about what it meant for their father. He'd recently been diagnosed with cancer and had mounting medical bills. Then she heard from her mother's financial planner, someone Maya had never heard about. They had a meeting. And it was in the first meeting with that woman that not only did she leave my dad totally set for life, um, but she left money for me and my sister for weddings. That was a shock, truly. Uh, Not sure how to, it was, I was unsure how to feel about it. Uh, I want to make sure I understand, you say your dad, you now feel like he's he's comfortable, he will be financially comfortable for life. Um, Mm -hmm. How much money did your mother have? You know, it's hard. So she had not, she had worked at the same company for, you know, over 40 years with 401k matching um, and had been bought out of a pension at some point. Um, So she had, I believe, $1.5 million. And in addition to that, she had this life insurance policy that was a mystery to all of us that my dad didn't even know about. That was $750,000. So it's, a, to me, a, a, a tremendous amount of money that I never thought in my wildest dreams my family would have access to. Mm-hmm. Oh. So she left your father secure, mm-hmm. and she left you and your sister with this pot of money to celebrate. Yeah. It wasn't really until my dad, it felt like my dad was stable that we were able to be like, whew, now about that wedding money, you know, like that, that it took a long time to absorb that. And now I'm in, in the height of absorbing that because I'm spending it and it feels crazy. And as you started looking around at what that would look like and what that might cost, how did you all talk about that? I'll be transparent. The number is $50,000 that was left to me, which to me is a unbelievable sum. I'd never seen those numbers reflected in my bank account as someone who until recently had lived pretty paycheck to paycheck. I was like, are we going to ball out? Are we going to ball out at our wedding? Maya and her fiancé had a shared vision of the event. They wanted it to be in nature, to have it at a place where people could stay over and camp in cabins. She's a documentary filmmaker, and he's a teacher and musician. They wanted their friends to gather together and play music. Yeah, like, I assumed we would be not only having the most incredible celebration of our dreams. I had no idea how much a wedding cost, and I was wrong. Um, I assumed... (laughs) I was terribly wrong, and I assumed we would spend 30000 was the number we came up with, and to have 20000 stuck, 
you know, leftover to keep as our nest egg mm-hmm. for perhaps in the future, putting a down payment on a home. All these things might've been doable like 20 years ago, like that amount of money would be good for those things. And in the year of our Lord, 2023, that is just not the case. <laughs> Do you have an idea of the, the budget you're looking at now, like the total cost? I think it will be around 60K conservatively because everybody, I didn't realize everybody expects like a 20%. <laughs> like, and I, as somebody who worked many service jobs in my life, I totally get it. I just didn't know about the wedding industry in that way. So like the caterer wants a big tip and I was, you know, that's a hard, it's a lot of tips that I didn't realize were good, should have been calculated into the budget. Uh-huh. So that's more money than you had um, given to you by your mom. Do you, mm-hmm. how's the rest of that money going to get covered? That's a good question. My sister tells me that I should just ask my dad for it since he's sitting on a small fortune. <laughs> and that feels, I mean, he's about to go through radiation. I cannot stomach asking him for that money. Hmm. Um, my dad's also offered to cover anything that's extra. Um, and he's like, just so you know, I'm fine. Like, you know, I can't, somehow I can't trust it. Um, I'm just so afraid he's going to just drop dead like my mom, I think. And I just want him to have everything he wants before that happens. Oh. Um, I just want to notice that you said, I, I don't want to ask my father. And then you revealed that he had offered. So it's actually you don't feel comfortable accepting yeah, I think that's that's right. Um, I think I have a lot of guilt around money. I just have a lot of weird money stuff. I I, I also do. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah, we all I think. Do. Yes, and I think that's what's so interesting about uh, weddings and mm-hmm. early marriage is like your weird money stuff becomes exposed, maybe in ways it hasn't oh, yeah. been. Um, oh, yeah. Are you and your fiance? Uh, both equally aware of exactly where all the costs are right now? No. Um, I have been, at the beginning, I had this amazing spreadsheet and I was so on top of it. Um, And now I have, once I realized, once the numbers started to scare me, I just had this toxic thing where I just stopped tracking it. And now I am in the process of rebuilding that spreadsheet with the actuals, um, which is just a really scary process. And, and, and I have not been, and I think a lot of the tension is I have not been terribly transparent about where we are because I've been so overwhelmed with the cost of a wedding. Is this something if your mother were living, you would talk about with her? Yes. And it would have been really difficult. I think maybe when I'm skirting around here, Anna, is that my mom and I, had a lot of tension around money. She didn't like the way I spent money. She didn't think I was responsible with it. And I think in many ways she was probably mirror, you know, that was sort of a mirror for her um, of her own thoughts about how she should be spending money. So to spe- I think maybe some of the tension around spending money is I feel like I'm spending her money. And if she was alive, she'd have a lot to say about it. Hmm. Yeah. Like the amount of money I paid to have my dress dry cleaned, which was probably unnecessary. Um, 
I bought my dress secondhand. So I was actually very smart about the wedding dress. I bought one for like $300 secondhand that I really liked and just paid to get it tailored and then paid more than the dress cost to get it dry cleaned. <laughs> Something like that my mom would have had a, had a thing or two to say about just like being smart. Well, I, you know, I, I, the thing that I hear is like, it's this interesting position you're in where you, you're learning how to accept this incredible gift that you weren't expecting and that felt almost out of character. Um, oh, yeah. And the spirit with which that was given was like, I want my, I want my daughter to have this. And then, so I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm puzzling along with you of like how to like what in the next like week or two could be possible to like line up so you don't feel this um self-judgment that you're doing it wrong. I'm working on it, you know, and and I'm I'm working on letting go of certain things and, and the things that's bringing up about my relationship with my mother. And also, like, I think I've been really secretive about how I'm paying for this wedding because my friends know what I do for a living. They know what my partner does for a living and they know that we're not rich people. But, um, you know, I think it's, I think I am considering making a statement at the wedding and saying in something like, everything that's happening today is because of her and I wish she could have been here to do it with us and I just want everyone to know that that this is this party is put on by her this weekend is by her you know it's a gift from her and I think you can tell yourself that that like maybe she would have judged the laundromat for spit for charging you so much but she also <laughs> wouldn't want you getting married in a dingy dress <laughs> she that's, that's very true <laughs> That might be true. Having a death in the family or experiencing loss can also be the thing that's made you want to get around to planning a wedding, like for a listener named Flannery in Philadelphia. My partner and I have been together for 12 years, and we were discussing last summer um, that we would like to do some sort of a wedding celebration because we only have our moms. Both of us have lost our fathers a long time ago. And while our mothers are in their 70s and in very good mental and physical health, we just thought, like, what are we waiting for? Let's do this while everyone can party and have a fun time and really enjoy it. But because my partner is very... Uh, anxious in social situations that put a lot of attention on him. <laughs> um, we decided to do a surprise wedding. So we're having a big party in our backyard. We're calling it a housewarming slash family reunion. And because it's a potluck, they're all going to help us with alcohol and food and all the expenses there. And then we're just going to spring it on them <laughs> a couple hours in. <laughs> Um, so far, we feel like we're geniuses. Like we've only spent about a thousand dollars on, you know, some improvements to the outside of our house and our yard. And the only 
thing that has come up that I that I'm worried about um, is that we might have a really serious plumbing issue in our house <laughs> that could be very expensive to fix in time. Turning a wedding script on its head is something a listener named Saucy told us is important to him. He's a wedding planner in Iceland. His company, Pink Iceland, started in 2011 as a travel agency that catered to queer clients. It was around the same time Iceland legalized gay marriage. And the team thought, maybe we should learn how to throw weddings, too. What we ask them to do is to throw away everything they thought a wedding should be or whatever their family want their wedding to, to be and think about what would be the perfect ceremony for them. Have you had the experience of a parent of one of the partners wanting to be very involved uh, in the planning because they are perhaps paying for a large share of it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, do you, Those are difficult. Those are incredibly difficult. Oh, why, yeah. why do you say that? We see ourselves as the couple's advocate first and foremost. And then that's, that's where money gets tricky in wedding planning. Because the, 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 whoever holds the purse strings has a lot of influence. One story of that is just like um, uh, there was this awesome party and it was just like banging. It was so much fun. Everybody was having so much fun. But the father, he had a room on the, close to, um, on, the, on the ground floor of this hotel that we had a buyout at. And he went absolutely nuts because he couldn't sleep. Uh-huh. And... He just said, look, I'm paying for this. Shut, shut it off. We don't want to have any more music. Like, I'm paying for this. I don't want people to have any more drinks. And I don't want there to be any more music because I need my sleep. And I'm like, oh, my God. We can't bring that to the couple even. What did you do? It was pretty much all hands on deck. We started kind of shifting, moving the DJ station further away from the room. <laughs> we, lowered, we lowered the bass by quite a lot. We started sort of very slowly bringing the volume down and, and, and then kind of running back and forth. Was the couple aware that you were doing this shuttling between? No, they, like, they, they never know. The, the kitchen could be on fire and uh, they'll never know. And um, in 2022, how many weddings did you do? 175. That's a lot of weddings. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow. That's a little less than one every other day, basically? Yeah. Most of Pink Iceland's wedding clients now are straight couples, and from the U.S., who like the idea of making a wedding celebration into something more like a big group vacation. I think there's a, there's a sense of, in the U.S. especially, there's a sense of, like, um, I don't know, I feel like I've heard from so many couples. They're like, oh, we're looking at this, you know, banquet hall or this venue space, and you know, it says it costs this on the on their website, and then we said it's for a wedding, and it costs twice as that suddenly. Mm. But there's a there's a there's a we don't have a wedding industry um, here, and and I, while things are Iceland is incredibly expensive, there's something that happens um, here that is quite special. We inhabit less than one percent of the country, um, which means that you know, drive forty five minutes and you're in the middle of nowhere. There's a grounding effect here that people feel, and they feel like this is where I want to take my loved ones and I want them to feel it. And they just think our money would be better spent 
on doing something that we truly want rather than feeding 200 people. You know, let's take them on a tour. Let's show them a waterfall. Let's, let's have beers in the midnight sun or, you know, let's do something fun. I mean, when I got married myself, we decided, look, we're not going to, don't, we don't want to feed 230 people. So we, we invited people, you know, after dinner and said, come after dinner. We're not going to feed you, but we're going to show you a hell of a good time. <laughs> we had sliders and midnight snacks. It was fine. Nobody went, nobody went hungry. Yeah. yeah. Amazing and probably more fun, you know. like So much fun. Um, a sit-down meal. You kind of want to get to the dance floor. You just cut out the sit-down meal. Got straight to the party. Exactly, exactly. Um, interesting. What year was that that you got married? Um, it was 2017, and then I got <laughs> divorced in 2021, yeah. Okay. Um, currently unmarried? I'm currently unmarried, yes. This, I'm not sure if this has ever happened, but have you ever had a couple seem interested in hiring you, using your service, and you have a sense that they have the budget to cover your costs, but you're you're seeing red flags about either their communication together as a couple or their communication with their families of origin, or you, you just kind of, you get a sense that there could be a lot of headaches to come. Have you ever declined a client? A number of times, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's, is there a theme to what's made you do that when there's a lot of money when people are very rich they seem to be inherently distrustful huh and we actually just tend to we've burnt ourselves a couple of times with that and we now we just sort of stay away it's not worth it the emotional toll of not being trusted or, or second guessed at every turn it's that it's that thing where you just know that you're always going to be looked upon as the help in a way, you know, that where you're not just going to be valued as a human being. Hmm. We do, we do okay. We're not like we're, we're for profit, but we've never paid dividends to ourselves. We, we make everything go back into the company. We, we just want to enjoy our working lives and create an atmosphere of, of, of kindness and surround ourselves with cool people and what a way to live your life. Interesting. I have, um, a personal question for you, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I'm wondering, um, you know, I I also have gone through weddings. I've had two weddings, and I went through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Having having made your, if your work is um, sort of recognizing milestones and transitions, and you do mm -hmm. it often in weddings, did you have some kind of ceremony or ritual when you when that marriage ended, when you went through a divorce? No, we didn't. We talked about it the other day, though. Uh, we're now at a place where we can where we can sort of discuss it more freely. It was tough for a while, uh, not not much communication, but we discussed basically, sort of in jest. But maybe we could, you know, hire the same band and get all of our friends together, and because we had so much fun. You know, and just do that as a as a as a kind of a celebration of, of of what we had. I mean, we had ten years together, and they were there were ups and downs. But ultimately, I mean, I know that for a fact on my side that there's no regrets. 
I got to experience love. It's not a given. That's Sasi, a listener and wedding planner in Iceland. And one more thing. Sasi told us his company is about to hit the milestone of throwing 1,000 weddings. And in recognition of their company's roots, they want to plan and throw a wedding for a queer couple for free. He says, we are looking for a couple who currently do not have the means or familial support to celebrate their love. And we want to help them plan the wedding of their dreams in Iceland, all expenses paid. You can get more information about what Pink Iceland is calling their queer wedding giveaway and how to nominate yourself or another couple by checking out our show notes or going to their website at www.pinkiceland.is. As for more updates, Maya said that with about a month to go, she has not asked her father for the extra money to cover the last 10 grand of her wedding budget. Flannery said she and her fiancé were able to get a temporary fix to the plumbing issue just in time for their surprise wedding. She said, The moment I burst out our back door in a little vintage whitish dress with a flower crown, everyone screamed. And Vanessa said her Manhattan wedding was an incredible, beautiful day. But in the weeks since, she and her mother have started fighting again and aren't currently speaking. She wrote to us, It does make me go back to the place of, was it all worth it? If you'd asked me on the day, I would have said 100% yes. So I'm trying to harness that feeling versus the, I wish I had done something smaller and simpler and paid for it ourselves. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. This episode was produced by Zoe Azule. The rest of our team is Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz, Afi Yellow Duke, Lindsay Foster Thomas, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Christian Reedy. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Instagram at Anna Sale Picks, that's P-I-C-S. And the show is at Death Sex Money on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you to Carolyn Zimmerman in Madison, Wisconsin, for being a member of Death, Sex, and Money and supporting us with a monthly donation. Join Carolyn and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org slash donate. So my fiancé and I took dance lessons, uh-huh. and we choreographed a dance. I'm, I'm nervous about it, but I'm also excited because I think it, it's fun. Like, it's, a, it's, it's goofy. Can you tell me what song it's to? Um, as long as this plays after the wedding, because yeah. it's a secret. Uh-huh. Um, it's to Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. <laughs> it's just fun, you know? It's not like... It's, and the instructor was like, what does this song mean to you? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> like, it's a fun, fun. song. <laughs> I was like, it's from Zoolander. I don't know. <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. WNYC.